is Jerry DiPiano, and you are listening to the Love Mia Vita podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Catherine Sharif. And for those of you that haven't had the pleasure of listening to Dr. Sharif on our previous podcast, I'd like Catherine to introduce herself and her background. Catherine, nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Jerry. So I'm Catherine Sharif. I'm an internist in Philadelphia and part of Jefferson Women's Primary Care. So Dr. Sharif and I have known each other for about two decades um, in her previous life uh, when she was at Drexel University uh, and uh, worked in the area of women's health. And then more recently, of course, uh, we've had the pleasure of working uh, with Dr. Sharif. She is also a member of Fem Pharma's advisory board, scientific advisory board, um, a key member of that advisory board. And we are so delighted to have you as our co-host, uh, Catherine. Today, we are going to discuss something that is underappreciated, and it's a little gland that sits just below your Adam's apple, and it's the thyroid. And boy, can that thyroid wreak havoc on us if we're not actually pre uh, prepared to understand all of the impact that it has on metabolic health. So first of all, um, there are a number of women who develop thyroid disease in their lifetime, and I did not appreciate this, but it's quite common. One in eight women in their lifetime will develop thyroid disease. It's not just confined to mature women over the age of 40, but women may begin to experience thyroid issues even at a younger age during the, the height of their reproductive years into motherhood and beyond. So we thought it made sense for us to visit this and to specifically understand uh, where is the thyroid located. Many women may not even understand where it's located. So where is it located? What does it do? Um, help us to understand this, Catherine. Sure. Um, so the thyroid gland is um, a very small spongy light gland um, that is, as you said, located below your Adam's apple. It's up against your trachea, and it's very difficult to feel through your neck because it's so thin. And for such a small organ, um, it has a, a, a great effect on your body. You know, think about the liver. The liver is about 200 times the weight of the thyroid gland, and yet the thyroid gland is so powerful. So it's in the shape of a butterfly and it's laying flat against your trachea. And you usually uh, don't notice anything unless it's enlarged or inflamed. And then you might have a sore throat or you might notice a bulge in your neck. And in fact, women who are pregnant, uh, they often have a, a hyper-functioning thyroid because the thyroid gland controls metabolism. And so if you are pregnant and you have uh, another human being that you're trying to nurture, your thyroid gland may become overactive. And that's often why you'll see uh, women who are pregnant have a bulge in their neck and that's their overactive thyroid. So that's a that's new fact for me, Catherine. I did not recognize that. It also has an impact on your menstrual cycle and, and can cause some problems with your menstrual cycle. Tell us about some of the issues that women can encounter that um, these would be younger women, of course, that um, would experience maybe some differences, maybe amenorrhea, which means no menstrual cycle, or perhaps um, 
a menstrual cycle that is unusual? Yes. So um, since the thyroid gland produces hormones like level, like a thyroxine, which is um, T or we call it T4, um, that controls metabolism, the thyroid affects every single organ and tissue in the body. And when it comes to menstrual periods, as you said, you can have no periods at all, or you can start skipping periods. And this is if your thyroid is overactive or underactive, if you're hypothyroid or hyperthyroid. One of the first things we're taught in medical school is that if someone's period or uh, the pattern of your menstrual period changes, first thing you do is check the thyroid. So it does impact, um, it, it impacts your ovaries, impacts yes. your immune system. Again, these are, these are issues that, or, or I guess concerns that are underappreciated. It also may impact a woman's ability to conceive. Absolutely. So it is a cause of infertility. And if you are having trouble conceiving, it's one of the first things that should be checked. So we had a, we had a podcast recently with um, Shelly Bailey from Family and a shout out to Shelly Bailey with Family because she's awesome. And this is one of the things that she does recommend to women who visit her and are seeking some support when they are struggling with their fertility issues. So but this is this, and this is the second time that I'm hearing this. But what tests should be uh, should a patient ask for in, if they're pregnant or they're having difficulty getting pregnant? Sure. So um, the first thing you would get checked is your thyroid stimulating hormone, also we we abbreviated TSH. So you'll often hear a doctor referring to TSH, and the TSH comes from the pituitary gland. And the, when, when the pituitary gland senses that there's not enough thyroid hormone coming out of that butterfly-shaped gland on your neck, uh, what happens is it releases TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone, to try to jumpstart the thyroid. So as the TSH goes up, it tells us that you're becoming more and more hypothyroid and that you're uh, you're making TSH to try to jumpstart the, the thyroid gland. So we always check TSH. Two other tests that I think are important to check are the free T4. So is uh, if you're, and usually the free T4 will be going in the opposite direction as your TSH. So in other words, if you're not releasing enough free T4 from your thyroid gland, then consequently the TSH will start to go up to try to jumpstart it. The, so besides TSH, free T4, the third test I recommend is thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And these are antibodies against the thyroid gland. Your immune system makes them. And it's a common cause, the most common cause of hypothyroidism um, called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, where you produce the thyroid peroxidase antibodies that mistakenly attack the thyroid gland. And so um, but that can give us a very good snapshot of your thyroid function and instead of just one test. 
that's super helpful. And by the way, there, there was a lot of information that Catherine just shared. And so uh, be aware that we will likely transcribe this and you'll be able to read this as a blog post as well. So you won't have to memorize all these things. And if you want to rewind this, you can rewind it and you can take the notes. But uh, we are really happy that you were giving some helpful suggestions to women who may be listening to this who are at various stages of their reproductive life. Because we know that women who are listening to this Love Me Evita podcast may be women who are over the age of 40. That doesn't mean that you can't conceive. And so if you're fortunate enough to conceive even later in life, and by the way, we know that thyroid issues will rise with age. If you're having some problems during your pregnancy, because we know that if you're over a certain age, uh, we are referred to as a geriatric pregnancy, you, you may want to um, also be aware of some of the impact, the impact that the thyroid may have on your developing uh, pregnancy. So tell us about that as well. Sure. So your, your needs for thyroid hormone increase during the pregnancy. And what would be ideal is if you had your thyroid stimulating hormone checked during each trimester. And if you're already on thyroid hormone, you may need to uh, uh, increase it in the second and third trimesters. And then what's interesting is after you deliver whether or not you're hypothyroid and taking thyroid replacement hormone, um, your immune system may attack uh, your thyroid gland um, in that year after pregnancy, and you may become alternately hyperthyroid, producing too much thyroid hormone, or hypothyroid. The thing is, you might never know because some of the symptoms of hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism are fatigue or uh, palpitations, um, depression, constipation, diarrhea, all kinds of stuff. And you may never realize that, you're, uh, that you have a thyroid problem. So it's important not just to get checked during pregnancy, but also afterwards. And you know, leading up to this podcast, I know we we joked and we said, sure. And after you have a baby, these are a lot of a lot of the kinds of issues that you're facing. So you're not getting enough sleep. Um, if you're like me, you were up every two or three hours doing your feedings, changing the diaper because we know they eat and then they defecate and they urinate, and you have to take you know you have to be up. Um, and uh, in my case, I took the mask and the earplugs out of my husband's ears and said, you know what, your turn here, <laughs> your turn. But I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And I felt all sorts of aches and pains. And I did have heart palpitations because I was so worried about that baby. You can't ignore those things. Yes, those, those come with uh, the beauty uh, and the delight of having a child, but you may take Catherine's advice. And it may not be just what you're going through after you have this wonderful little child uh, that you need to care for. It could, could actually be something with your thyroid and you should at least investigate it. And I guess that's the theme of this podcast. We, we tend to want to attribute some of these symptoms to changing changes in our reproductive life right to the transition whether it's menstruation we talked a little bit about that in menstrual irregularities to motherhood and having children or the or the difficulties conceiving but this 
the thyroid does and is impacted by age. And so as we age and with our declining hormones, estradiol in particular, we do see that the thyroid may be impacted. And sometimes women who are in perimenopause, menopause, and in the whole transition process will start to exhibit symptoms that could be related to the thyroid. And again, as we indicated early on, one in eight women in your lifetime, that doesn't mean that it is life-threatening, but it should be managed. So let's talk about uh, why some women may be more at risk than others and what's happening during the menopause transition, specifically with the thyroid. That's, there's a lot a lot of information here, so we can break it down. So what play, what makes a woman at greater risk for developing a thyroid disease? Well, just by being older. And so some guidelines say, um, don't check the thyroid functions until age 45 or later. And that's a nod to the fact that we know that thyroid problems are more common um, as you get older and as you go through menopause. So some of the symptoms of um, hyperthyroidism, such as palpitations and sweating, um, are also, they resemble the symptoms of perimenopause. And um, so, uh, so that, you know, you need to know whether your symptoms, don't attribute your symptoms to um, the perimenopause. Uh, when you're in your 40s, um, you have to make sure you get your thyroid checked. But you were asking who is at risk. So um, just simply being overweight makes you more at risk for having um, a thyroid problems. And the connection to your weight may be that um, your fat cells aren't just like depots where you know, we store energy and draw upon that energy. Your fat cells are also factories and they produce all these inflammatory molecules. So they increase inflammation in the body. And so inflammation means that white blood cells are moving around and they're looking for something to attack and then they attack your thyroid. Uh, and why your thyroid as opposed to something else, we don't know why it's so common. So again, the greatest risk of... Um, Becoming hypothyroid, uh, one is just age, simply getting older, but maybe even more important than that is family history. So if your sister, your mother um, have thyroid problems, occasionally your father will, but it uh, is definitely more common in women. Um, sometimes it just seems like it's a matter of time before you become hypothyroid. So, and, and there are, so we talk about the thyroid, we talk about thyroid diseases, and you've mentioned hypo and hyperthyroid. And it may not be something that everyone listening un understands or appreciates. And you, you mentioned Hashimoto's. There's um, thyroid um, thyroiditis, which affects mm -hmm. women uh, postpartum. Uh, there's goiter. So let's, let's first explain what is hypothyroidism, H-Y-P-O, hypothyroidism. So hypothyroidism is when your thyroid gland is underactive. You are not producing enough thyroid hormone to run your metabolism efficiently. So the most common symptoms of hypothyroidism are dry skin, uh, gaining weight, depression, constipation, um, even losing hair. 
uh, as we, we mentioned before, irregular menstrual periods. Uh, those are very common. One show-off uh, <laughs> category of uh, hypothyroid symptoms is something called Queen Anne's eyebrows. And uh, doctors love to ask students what Queen Anne's eyebrows are. And Queen Anne uh, was an old queen. And if you look at paintings of her, she's missing the outer third of her eyebrows. And so that's a, a classic symptom. Yes, you all your eyebrows are there. Um, so that's a, uh, uh, that's cocktail party talk, uh, Queen Anne's eyebrows. But one of, what's confusing is how many women do you know who are overweight, constipated, depressed, <laughs> and tired? <laughs> there are a few that I can, you know, I, I know I have all those symptoms. I mean, constipation is also a, an issue. Regularity is also an issue for women as they age. Right. Yes. Yeah. Why are so many women constipated? <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's like an epidemic. So, um, yeah. So those are the most common symptoms. And then sometimes I will look. Um, if you look at an EKG, you'll see a slow heart rate. Well, now everybody has uh, an Apple Watch, and so that you can see that your heart rate may have dropped to the fifties or sixties. Um, so that's, and then the opposite symptoms are seen with hyperthyroidism when you're overactive. So when you, when, when you start to exhibit these types of symptoms, again, is it, it, it could be nothing more than these are perimenopause, menopausal symptoms. It could be something that is, you know, triggers you to visit your primary care practitioner, your endocrinologist, but, but probably your primary care. And again, these are, you know, there, there is certain amount of uh, testing that your primary care may recommend. Again, this, this is by no means uh, a diagnosis during this podcast is simply a podcast. We're simply imparting information. You want to visit your physician and make sure that she is the one that takes responsibility for all of these things, but we, we can shed some light on some of the tests. So the tests would include same tests that you recommended previously or different? Yes, the same tests, TSH, free T4, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and we abbreviate that TPO. So we have hypothyroidism. I, there's a there is a massive laundry list of symptoms and so associated side effects. I think you hit on the major ones. Um, there's also hyperthyroidism. So, sure. What is so going on? Hyperthyroidism. You're producing your again. It's usually the immune system attacking your thyroid, but instead of killing it. Now it's stimulating it to work harder. And so um, your metabolism increases. And so if you think of it that way, your heart rate, it would make sense. You'll have palpitations. Your heart rate is high. Sometimes people who have uncontrolled blood pressure problems, um, they'll keep getting more and more and more th uh, blood pressure medications until someone checks their thyroid and says, oh, you're hyperthyroid. Okay, so your blood pressure is very high. They'll often get diarrhea. They'll be nervous, anxious, have trouble sleeping. Um, they are sweaty. Um, so that, and, and sometimes they'll lose weight, but not always. So 
again, I as I think about these symptoms, they sound an awful lot like perimenopause, menopausal symptoms, but is it the exacerbation of what we may be experiencing when we hit perimenopause and menopause that really should trigger some concern? So let's let's just say for, for the sake of conversation that in my case, I don't really have, I, I have a few uh, issues with hot flashes and night sweats, but I'm not ripping my clothes off and during the day, thank God, you know, I horrify people. Uh, but <laughs> My husband would love it if I did it at night. But, um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, too bad with the hot flashes. And occasionally, you know, I'm having insomnia. Actually, I should say more than occasionally, I have insomnia. But all of a sudden, those symptoms, now I'm like having hot flashes like 10 per night. And I am really uncomfortable during the day. And I put a fan in the office and you know, forget sleep, you know, it eludes me, <laughs> make my bed, right? When is it time to say, maybe this is not just menopause or perimenopause? Sure. So if you see an acceleration of your symptoms, if something changes um, uh, and it doesn't, if the pattern changes, it's time to talk to your doctor. Um, you may notice that your heart rate is 110 and you didn't used to run 110. That would be a great uh, way to pick up hyperthyroidism. So it's, it's basically looking for a change in your symptoms. The, the one additional fact that I was unaware of is that sometimes hyperthyroidism may increase your risk for osteoporosis. Yes. Isn't that interesting? So you have increased bone turnover and um, you are, we're, we're constantly breaking down bone and, and building bone. And it's a balance between two types of bone cells. And uh, so constantly forming and reforming. But what happens with hyperthyroidism is that you end up with net less bone. Um, uh, you have less bone than when you started, um, which is very interesting. So again, this is, a, this is another potential fl red flag. If you're a woman that has not really exhibited any of these other symptoms, you notice that you're you, you're breaking bones. All of a sudden, you you know you're running. You break the the bone in your toes. You break mm -hmm. your wrist just mm -hmm. from a simple you know uh, you're doing a plank, and before yeah. you know it, you you know you have a, a wrist fracture. Yeah, you've not had any other issues in the past. Yeah, and perhaps you don't have any risk factors in your family. We right. talk about having a DEXA. Uh, just maybe that is another indication that you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're exhibiting symptoms or you have osteoporosis. But see, clearly, if you have hyperthyroidism, it's probably something to watch out for, right? It is. It is. And usually, the the people who are most knowledgeable about the thyroid and want to make sure that their thyroid are is checked are women who have family members with thyroid problems. Otherwise, people don't really think about it. And so we need more awareness. If, you're, um, if, if you have fractures and they don't make sense, like it's one thing like, you know, I was riding my bike, I was hit by a car, I fractured three ribs. Okay, so that's a pretty good excuse to have, 
Hey, did that really happen, Catherine? That actually happened. It happened to you. It happened to me. It was such a bummer. And I couldn't breathe for a month. (laughs) Horrible. Right. However, so you got to have a good reason to break a bone, right? So if you have fractures and it didn't take much, we need to find out why. So, for example, a DEXA scan to look at bone density is a great idea. And if you are osteoporotic and it it doesn't make sense, um, then, you know, for example, if you're a smoker, you're much more likely to be osteoporotic. Um, And if you're a drinker, too. But um, that may be a clue that you're hyperthyroid and uh, your thyroid needs to be checked. So we've talked a lot about various diagnostic tests that that women should be mindful of and uh, also to the symptoms for both hyper hypothyroidism i i believe that there is hope and although there is no cure right it's not no terminal. cure it's not terminal no there are there are some ways in which we can where your doctor your healthcare practitioner can address your symptoms with medication Let's talk about some of the treatment options that can be offered to you. Sure. So if you are hypothyroid and you are not producing enough thyroid hormone, fortunately, we have levothyroxine, um, which is um, synthetic T4, and um, that will pretty much take care of the problem. Um, It has to be taken on on an empty stomach or you won't absorb it well. And we check thyroid, uh, thyroid stimulating hormone every six weeks to make sure you're on the right dose and we can adjust it. If you're hyperthyroid, we have medications um, that uh, can quiet down uh, the overproduction of thyroid hormone. Um, hyperthyroidism, where you have too much thyroid hormone, is not as common as hypothyroidism. Now, are there, what side effects are associated with these medications and and I hate to say it but if you have an exacerbate is there an exacerbation of menopause symptoms if you are taking these types of medications what are, are these offenders so to speak so you would most likely see side effects with thyroid hormone replacement so if you're getting the right amount of replacement it's not extra we're just replacing it But let's say for some reason um, you were taking too much, Um, you would then end up uh, a little bit on the hyperthyroid side and you might have um, anxiety, palpitations, sweating, increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, and so on. So you want to get it right. So it's increasing or adjusting the dose so that it is actually an appropriate dose for you is something that we, we need to pay attention to. So if you, you are being yes. for one of these conditions, you want, to, you want to monitor your side effects as well, because these, these doses can be adjusted accordingly. And we often think that whatever we walk out of the doctor's office with prescription, that it is the, the prescription, it's going to solve all of our problems. And it might, but mm-hmm. watch out for you, you know, your side effects, report them back to your healthcare practitioner. She mm-hmm. can make the adjustment if necessary. Doesn't mean you should discontinue your 
treatment unless you are advised to do so by your healthcare practitioner, because oftentimes we don't comply. So we have a side effects, we don't persist. When our blood levels even out, we start to feel better, but we have to, we have to be mindful of those side effects that really in, impact our quality of life. And so I guess that's the that's maybe a message for our listeners that if it's significantly impacting your quality of life in a negative way, that's probably the time to call your your healthcare practitioner. Any other words of wisdom on your know, treatment options, Catherine? Well, yes, um, this is uh, controversial in some circles, but there are formulations of um, ground up um, pig uh, thyroid. Um, the one that people know most is armor thyroid. And some people prefer that because it has T4 in it. T4 is the one that we replace, but it also has T3. Now, most of us, our thyroid hormone converts T4 to T3, and T3 is active and it acts on our body. Um, the reason, uh, one of the reasons that people like to take armor thyroid or other uh, pork derived thyroid formulations is that they have T3 in them and they're afraid that they might not be making enough T3 and that's why they want to take it. Um, if my patients ask me for armor thyroid, thyroid I will prescribe it um, and uh, because they feel better on it and that's fine with me. So lots of different ways in which to deal with these types of concerns with our thyroid. It is definitely something that is manageable. Um, we deliberately didn't talk about thyroid cancer because it is relatively rare. Obviously, if you notice um, you, that you have an enlargement in that area, a nodule, you should have that investigated. And when when is it when should you be concerned? And um, what does that feel like if you are, you know, if you're trying to find your thyroid right here, this little, this area here, right? Near the yes. Trachea, yeah, right feel, in front of the trachea. Well, you feel something unusual. What, what would you feel and when should you make that appointment? Sure. So uh, first of all, the way that it looks. So if you see, if you look in the mirror and you see a lump in your neck, um, then of course you've, you've got to go to the doctor. If, or someone may tell you, what's that? Um, what's that bulge there? Was that there before? Um, sometimes the thyroid will be enlarged and an enlarged th thyroid is called a goiter. And um, often it'll be, you'll have a lump, but it'll be squishy. Sometimes the lump is hard. So it really depends on what's there and it's not necessarily cancer. And as you said, thyroid cancer is rare, um, but any changes, any lumps or bumps. Now, if your thyroid is inflamed because your immune system has attacked your thyroid, so that would be called thyroiditis, an inflamed thyroid, you may actually have a sensation of a, a sore throat um, you may feel that when you swallow, that you're hitting something while the food is going down. So you're not exactly having trouble swallowing, but it doesn't feel right uh, when you swallow. And it's hard to describe. 
then uh, you need to see someone to examine your thyroid and have thyroid testing. I'll tell you something else. You know, I keep thinking about the thyroid, about how much it controls metabolism. Every once in a while, uh, this probably happens once a month, I'll look at someone's cholesterol tests and for the first time uh, ever, their LDL, the bad cholesterol, starts to go up and it's never been up before. That is a clue that you are hypothyroid. Or if you develop high blood pressure out of nowhere, and it's never been an issue, that's another clue. Or if your sugars are starting to go up. So you can see it affects three of the major risk factors for heart disease. Your blood pressure goes up, your um, the cholesterol goes up, your sugars are starting to go up, and you know, you're not diabetic, but you're sort of creeping towards pre-diabetes. Um, again, it uh, affects so many areas of your health. So, if I visit my primary care practitioner for my annual checkup, and let's let's hope that we all take good care of our health by having that annual exam, or perhaps more frequently if you have some other health challenges. When we when we have these symptoms, we should be reporting them to the healthcare practitioner. We should also, if we have lab work done, what advice do you have for women who are their, their HCPs, their healthcare practitioners are ordering lab work. And let's say that they've ordered all of this, they've LDL, HDL, TSH, T3, T4, all of what you just recommended. What do you recommend in terms of um, appreciating what you have in a report? I mean, obviously we're not all physicians. We're not going to make the determination, but what, what do you recommend that women do with this information? Well, it would be helpful if um, your clinician went over the blood tests one by one. Your complete blood count is normal. Your blood chemistry is normal. Your liver function test is normal. And if they went, they went through one by one, um, it does take a lot, a, a lot of time. And I'm still trying to catch up from the beginning of the pandemic. Um, there was... Um, what happened was there was an avalanche of people coming out after the pandemic and you know we're all at once and getting blood tests that they hadn't had for two years. So your doctor may be behind. It's perfectly fine to contact your doctor and say, hi, have you had a chance to look at my blood tests? And can we go over them one by one? If you see something, so what I would say is don't accept like, yeah, everything was fine, all right? Um, but if you see something that was uh, that was flagged as abnormal. It's perfectly fine to say why is it uh, flagged as abnormal, and um, is what do I need to do about it? Do we need to repeat it? Um, do I need to or just check it every year? Um, so you you really should not have any questions left uh, from your practitioner after you go through the blood tests. So we don't want to be that whiny patient so that the yeah. doctor walks out and says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to the cheese shop, but, <laughs> but I, we all know, we all know those individuals, right? Yeah. We, yeah. See them, we see them everywhere, but it's important to be your own best advocate, right? You yes. have to self-advocate and let's face it, if you know if you have knowledge, and this is the goal of what we do on the Love Me Avita podcast and in our in the Fem Pharma blog, 
Our goal is to impart knowledge, to make you smarter and to help you to think about some of what may be impacting you at this time of life. We know all these women and men who are listening in, reading, are really smart, but they're not all doctors, they're not all scientists. So we wanna make sure that they understand that they have the, they have the knowledge, we're arming them with the knowledge to be able to ask the right questions, not in a mean-spirited way or in a challenging way, but in a way that helps to serve them best and to navigate through whatever they may be facing in health challenges or to celebrate the fact that things are great and they've done a, they've done a super job of taking care of themselves. So it's just being smarter and we could all use a little bit more of that. You know, we, we tend to read a lot of garbage on the internet. We tend to listen to things that aren't necessarily well curated or uh, perhaps they are being promoted by less than knowledgeable individuals. In our case, healthcare practitioners and professionals like Dr. Sharif can provide that knowledge that you can use with your healthcare practitioner. Again, not as a challenge, but really as a source of information and as a resource. So Catherine, we always want to leave with three key points. So the, what are the three key takeaways from this podcast? Well, number one takeaway, I want you to uh, remember and familiarize yourself with the symptoms of hyper and hypothyroidism because thyroid disorders are common. And the most common hyperthyroid symptoms are fatigue, weight gain, depression, constipation, dry skin, hair falling out. And don't forget queen and eyebrows. Yeah, eyebrows. <laughs> the, and the most common symptoms of hyperthyroidism are um, anxiety, uh, diarrhea, palpitations, sweating, and insomnia. And there are more, okay? So number one, learn the symptoms of hypo and hyperthyroidism. Number two, um, check with your doctor if you've been, uh, if you get thyroid tests on a regular basis. And it doesn't have to be every single year, but you should have them. Um, and then number three, it's more general, is understand your blood tests and don't just accept someone's word that they're fine. There's a lot that can be learned from looking at blood work. And sometimes we, we miss an important piece of data. Physicians are human beings. They are not gods or supreme beings in white coats or scrubs. They, they make mistakes. And they, as Catherine illustrated, boy, we have had an onslaught of issues starting with the pandemic that resulted, I use your words, the avalanche of patients who are returning to their primary care practitioners, which is awesome that they're returning, but it really has put intense pressures on the healthcare practitioners who all wanna do a great job. But when you're seeing 35 and 40 patients per day, I'm sure it is a challenge. And I, I know that you and I have had this conversation in the past and I've had this conversation with lots of different practitioners, gynecologists, dermatologists. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, I, you know, have seen pretty much every practitioner <laughs> in the last year that I missed when we were in the pandemic. 
So I'm sure that, you know, they're sick of seeing me. <laughs> and, and I doubt that. Well, you know, this is, you know, I, when you have a little bit of knowledge, it, it also sometimes becomes the whiny patient. And that would be me. I try really hard not to whine. And if I do, I try to bring something to the doctor. So oh, Jerry, I bet you don't whine. <laughs> I try very hard not to, but, um, but I do, I do recommend this. If you are dissatisfied, and you know, Catherine's probably going to plug her if you're dissatisfied with the health care practitioner that you are seeing because she or he is not paying attention to your needs and not providing you with compassionate care, and I put the emphasis on compassionate care, then you need to divorce <laughs> that person. <laughs> possible that you just you have outgrown one another maybe they think you're the whiny patient and but perhaps it's just because you aren't getting what you need from your healthcare practitioner there are lots of great healthcare practitioners out there we've met many of them we work with many of them and um and so it, there there is the right fit for you um, Dr. Sharif, uh, as you know, is a practitioner and professor of medicine at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. And if you live in the mid-Atlantic states, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to uh, take you on as a patient, even though <laughs> Catherine. Um, Dr. But Dr. Sharif is not giving medical advice during this podcast. This is for informational purposes only and is not meant to replace your interaction with your healthcare practitioner. As I said, if you'd like to make it a point with Dr. Sharif outside of this discussion, I'm sure she'd be happy to have a conversation. Absolutely. And um, feel free to contact me, Catherine.Sharif at Jefferson.edu. Catherine, as always, it's a pleasure to have you as our co-host, my co-host on the Love Mia Vita podcast. Stay well. We love having you. It's always, it is always our pleasure, my pleasure, and we love working with you. And to our audience, please take care to your good health and remember, love. Mia Vita.